Welcome to The Penny Drops, the Royal London podcast series simplifying finance to help more people, like you, make better informed money decisions. Royal London recommends you seek professional independent financial advice before making financial decisions. All views and opinions expressed are those of the guest and not of Royal London. Hello, I'm Andrea Fox, a journalist and broadcaster and the host of The Penny Drops, where I speak to the best financial experts out there. This podcast was recorded in July 2020 during the coronavirus outbreak, so please excuse any little sound issues as we are recording remotely. For the latest information on financial support and benefits, visit gov.uk slash coronavirus. What sort of lifestyle are you looking forward to when you retire? Are you already taking steps to get you there? Or do you feel like currently there are more important things to worry about? We're talking about retirement planning in this edition of The Penny Drops with Sarah Pennells, Head of Financial Capability and Guidance at Royal London. Her job's to lead the strategy that helps customers and employees make better decisions with their money. And the eagle-eared amongst you will know this is Sarah's second appearance on the podcast, having joined us last year for an episode about pensions. So Sarah, thank you for joining me again on The Penny Drops. Thank you very much for asking me. (laughs) Um, A little bit different now, obviously, recording remotely. Um, And you've got a new role with Royal London. Um, So first off, can you explain what exactly it is that you do? Financial capability really is all about uh, customers, members being able to make good money decisions about their own finances. So my job really is looking at ways of helping members and policyholders to do exactly that. To give you a couple of sort of practical examples, mm-hmm. when coronavirus struck, uh, me and my team were producing some content around things like how your savings and investments could be affected by coronavirus through to articles on help if you're struggling to pay your bills. But we also did some content on how to find a good financial advisor because I think that we recognise that coronavirus might prompt some people who'd never thought of getting financial advice to look for an advisor. Yeah, that all sounds really, really important. Um, And today you are going to be talking to us on this podcast specifically about retirement. So what kind of things do we need to do to prepare for retirement, Sarah? It's a really interesting question. And I think retirement is one of those things that's really easy to think about, you know, that day that you stop work and you don't have to worry about the alarm clock. But it's actually quite hard to avoid planning for it. Um, I think it sort of appeals to us that the idea of having all this free time and having that Mm -hmm. freedom, but actually thinking about how you're going to pay for it and how much you need to pay for the kind of things you want to do is quite, quite different. And I think actually for a lot of people, it might be something that's put into the too difficult box. And if you'd have asked me until a few years ago, this question about what I needed to think about for my own retirement, I'm not sure that I'd have been able to give you a very helpful answer. (laughs) Uh, I I think there's a couple of reasons. Firstly, you know, um, what do you need to live on when you retire? How do you work that out? If Mm. we take things like, you know, the state pension, for example, which for a lot of people is going to be the money that they start with. The state pension age has been rising recently, particularly sharply for women over the last few years. Most people have several jobs throughout their lifetime. So they're not quite sure what they're going to get and when they're going to get it. It's not always straightforward to work that out. And I think also it's that next step in a way. It's it's about imagining the kind of life you want to have in retirement. So after you've got to that stage where you can ignore the alarm clock, <laughs> what does your day actually look like? What does your week, where will you live? What will you do? Who will you socialise with? Will you go out much? Will you holiday much? Um, I mean, coronavirus, I guess, has 
given a few of us an opportunity to kind of think differently about how we spend our time or money. Yeah. So I suppose really, even if you've done this exercise a few years ago, you might want to do it again. Yeah. And you mentioned retirement age. I suppose we should kick off with what exactly is the retirement age for men and women? And when we get there, what are the options available to us? Well, there isn't actually any such thing as a retirement age that there used to be a default retirement age, which was 65, which was when companies could say that you had to retire from work. But that was abolished almost a decade ago. So these days, I think most people think of the state pension age as being when they retire. But of course, you know, you can retire when you want to. So the state pension age for um, men and women is due to be 66 by October this year mm-hmm. and then it'll uh, start rising again and reach 67 in a few years time but in terms of when you actually stop work a company can't force you out just because you reach the age of 64 65 or 66 so you do have more control about when you stop work and I think the first thing actually is to think about whether or not you do want to stop work I guess for a lot of people, that's really going to be a financial decision. You know, you might have to carry on working. Mm -hmm. But I think it's really about whether or not you have to carry on working. Um, And if you do, do you have to carry on doing the same thing for the same company with the same hours? Can you work a bit less? Can you do something different? You know, is there a hobby or an interest that you can make some money out of? Or are you the kind of person who actually wants to carry on working? You may not Mm -hmm. have to do so financially but you you get a lot out of working, you like that socialisation, you like that structure in your day, and you can't really quite imagine life without some element of work to it. And in which case, it's kind of, how do you do that and how much less of it do you do? Yeah. And like you just mentioned there, like the social aspect of work, I think a lot of people working from home at the moment, um, thinking about retirement age, it's quite a big sort of mental preparation you need to do for stopping work completely. So like you say, that's not necessarily the only option available when you come to retire no it absolutely isn't although I was aware as I was as I was talking about you know people not stopping working and loving work that some people are probably sort of shouting at the you know at whatever <laughs> device they're listening to thinking what is she talking about I can't wait Sarah to stop like working work. I'm sorry <laughs> yeah sorry <laughs> so so I think there is definitely that that side of it but it is a really personal decision and I do think that you have to be quite honest with yourself about actually how you like to spend your time what do you get from work at the moment you know is it just that you get money so you can do things that you enjoy doing or do you love your work and you get something else apart from just the financial reward and also try and picture how you are going to live your life in retirement which you know I think it's quite a hard shift to do in a way but don't just think about that day when you know you're no longer going into work and you have this free time, potentially have much it is. But picture what will your life be like, you know, the, the next week, the first week, the second week, the next month. And I'm, I'm a great one for writing things down because it really helps me to clarify what what's actually involved in something. So I would write down, actually, what, what would I be doing? How would I be spending my time? And then work out whether that's something that you, whether that's a life that you really want or not. Yeah, and I suppose that's kind of the next question I was going to ask. Like, that's your lifestyle that you need to think about, write down and decide what you want when you get to retirement age, right? And and I suppose there'll be differences in your lifestyle now, wherever you are at in your working life and retirement age. Yeah, definitely. And I think a couple of things that, that are really important are looking at 
what you'll have available. So that'll be not just money you have in your pensions, but money you have in other savings and investments, uh, all sources of income that you could potentially use when you retire, but also at the expenses that you will have to pay. Mm -hmm. A lot of the, the outgoings that we have we might think of them as being necessities, but really there's quite a lot of leeway. But if, for example, you will be still renting when you're retired, or if you own your property, but your mortgage will still have a number of years to run, well, those things are going to be pretty non-negotiable. You might be able to uh, rent a different property, a smaller one, a cheaper one. Likewise, you might be able to downsize, but you may not be free of those expenses. And mm. also, if you have uh, other sort of debts such as for example car finance or personal loans that need to be paid off make sure those are factored in so you know two people having the same amount of money coming in could have a very different retirement lifestyle depending on the kind of outgoings they have and then i mean the next thing to really try and get your head around is is the kind of lifestyle you you want and to try and put a price on that and i think that's where it gets quite quite tricky because mm. you're trying to sort of price up today how your lifestyle, what your lifestyle will cost in sort of 10, 20, 30 years time. Um, but there are some tools and calculators that can help you. So one that's really useful was developed by an organisation called the Pensions and Lifetime Savings Association. And it's called Retirement Living Standards. The website address is just retirementlivingstandards.org.uk. Mm. And they have put a price on retirement, depending on whether you want a kind of fairly sort of budget-friendly option when you retire or whether you want to really push the boat out and have a number of overseas holidays. <laughs> or a yacht. <laughs> well, indeed, or a yacht, absolutely. And they reckon it could cost between about £10,000 a year to £30,000 a year if you're planning your retirement for yourself and between about fifteen and £45,000 a year if there's two of you. And that depends on, on the lifestyle. So there's, there's a huge gap between those figures. Mm. But I guess that's like the exercise that you would need to go through to try and fill in what your retirement looks like. Well, we've talked on this podcast before about pensions and saving for later life. When do we need to start saving into one, would you think? I think the really sort of flippant and easy answer in a way is to say as soon as possible. But, you know, as with all things finance, it's a bit more complicated than that. So I'd say, first of all, if you have debt such as credit or store card debt, so what I would call expensive debt, mm -hmm. then I generally it's a good idea to pay that down first because credit cards can charge around 20% interest, store cards can charge 30% or more. And it's quite hard to get on top of that kind of debt and really make a dent in it um, if you're also trying to pay into a pension. But I, I guess apart from that, I mean, I often used to get asked in my previous life about should I start saving for my deposit or should I put money into my pension? You know, which should I do? Mm. And um, I mean, I'm not a financial advisor, so I can't give advice. But <laughs> I was thinking about this in terms of my own life and when I was saving for a deposit for my first flat, I joined my employer's pension scheme at the same time. And, you know, it was tight. I wanted to I wanted to buy somewhere to live and I also was paying into the pension. But I don't now I'm getting closer to retirement, shall we say. <laughs> I don't look back on that time and think I wish I hadn't joined the pension. I'm actually really glad I did because I started it 
at that point. And, and then indeed, when life got a bit easier, uh, I certainly didn't notice that money going away. The, the reason why it's a really good idea to start investing in a pension sooner rather than later is that the money that's invested in those early years has longer to grow. Now, that kind of so far so logical. And that's why it can be really helpful to try and join a pension and start saving and investing for your retirement earlier rather than later. So as we just mentioned, the employer pension scheme, employees will know about that. But if you're self-employed and you can't take advantage of that, how do pensions work then? If you're self-employed, pensions essentially work in basically the same way, but there are two key differences. So firstly, there will be no employer contributions, as you said. Mm. But I think Secondly, you won't get put into a pension automatically, which the vast majority of employees do. So that means you've either got to choose a pension on your own or use a financial advisor. And before I joined Royal London, I used to get lots of emails from people who are self-employed saying, you know, I found it really hard over the years to start a pension. There was always something to spend money on. And I really, really understand that. And I think you will probably do as well, Andrea. But (laughs) um, I was freelance for 20 years and I know it can be really, really tough. But when I went freelance, I actually set up a pension in the first month that I did so. Mm. And that's not because I was, you know, super clever or anything. It's just that I knew what I was like. And I thought if I leave it, there will always be something else to spend that money on. And again... It's one of those things that I am so glad now I did because there were obviously some really tough times, you know, invoices don't get paid and work doesn't appear. And it is hard to balance Mm. that, you know, putting money into your own business and prioritising your own retirement. But I would say, you know, just don't put it off too long because retirement has a nasty habit of sneaking up sooner than you think. (laughs) And then I guess in terms of how to get started... If you can use a financial advisor, it's a really good idea because they'll really help you and talk you through not just how to get started, but the right kind of plan for you. But if you don't have a financial advisor and you're not in a position to get one, don't let that put you off because there is a lot of useful information on websites like the Money Advice Service, for example, the personal finance section of newspapers websites, that there is a lot of information online now that can just help you take those first steps. One of the other things we're hearing about is for choices of consumers when it comes to pensions, um, I'm particularly interested in learning about things like ethical investments and ESGs, environmental, social and governance funds. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so I think a lot of people do focus on the pension, on the product, and not actually on where their money's invested. And that's sort of understandable because it's not always very well explained. But if you do have a pension, or in fact, any other kind of investment, then you know your money is working on your behalf and it's invested in a range of different companies. And with these ESG funds, which there's a whole raft of names they go under, sort of sustainable, mm. responsible, ethical, yeah. um, what they try and do is, is just, I suppose, look more carefully at where your money's invested. So there are a range of different approaches from some organisations may not invest your money in certain companies, that maybe don't meet environmental standards or involved in particular industries. Others will take a slightly different approach and target the kind of companies that may be sort of best in class or that may be, may be doing something more productive to address sort of current society. Mm. Um, speaking personally, I've always invested my pension 
pot money in sort of sustainable funds because it's just something that matters to me it may not be something that is on everybody's radar but if it is important to you again it's something that a financial advisor can really help you with but also if you are in a workplace pension you should be given information about the range of funds that might um, suit your needs it is one of those things i think as well that it's quite complicated and i don't mean that Mm. to put people off but the kind of things that might be really important to you may not be to me or may not be to somebody else. So it's a really personal thing. So if you see the word, you know, if you think about what might be an ethical or sustainable fund, it's just really worth looking at actually what that means for the fund or the provider, because you might have some different ideas. Uh, Spend a bit of time, I guess, doing your research and feeling comfortable with where your money is. Yeah, totally. And if you do want a bit more of an in-depth look at um, ethical choices when it comes to your money, not just pensions like we just mentioned, uh, we have a full episode on that. So have a little look at the previous episodes of The Penny Drops. Uh, But Sarah, I mean, if people haven't listened to this podcast, they haven't listened to our tips and they don't have a pension, what are there other ways that they could possibly save for retirement or prepare for it? Retirement doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have your money in a pension. So there are a range of ISAs, for example, individual savings accounts, which you can use. Now, they work in a different way to pensions, but they are basically designed to be either there's a savings version or there's a longer term investing option. I think the main thing is to make sure you do something, because Mm. if you don't have any kind of pension or investment that you've built up over the years then that means that you will end up relying on the state. And at the current rates, in terms of the state pension, you could be living on around £25 a day. And, you know, I'm laughing as I say that, but it's it's no laughing matter because that's £25 a day for all your money, for your bills, for your heating. And it's, it's, it's not enough, really, for most people to kind of have anything like the sort of lifestyle they imagine that they'll have after they retire and I think the second issue which is really important especially for younger people is that the state pension age has been rising already and is due Mm -hmm. to rise further so it's not just about having your own pot of money that's separate from the state pension that will give you more in your retirement but it's actually about having some money that you can access earlier than you might get the state pension if that's what you want. Yeah, and you touched on it a little bit there in terms of how much you might have to spend per day. Um, What is the best way, once we've retired, to budget and make sure that we don't run out of money? I think budgeting is such an interesting topic, as you probably expect me to say that. But it's one of those things, I think it's a real divider, because some people just love the idea of budgeting because they find it really reassuring to know where their money's going all the time. Mm. And other people, it's just, it's like the most boring thing in the world. and, And they really struggle with it. But I think with retirement, it's more important than ever to budget. And especially, I'd say, since we had the pension freedoms that were introduced in 2015, because previously a lot of people would have ended up using their pension pot to buy an annuity, which gave them a a guaranteed income for as long as they lived. And they knew Mm -hmm. how much they were going to get. The pension freedoms, I mean, sort of the clues in the name, I guess, we now have much more flexibility and freedom so we can take lump sums or income directly from our pensions and that gives you much more control but it also means that you have to be much more on top of your budget I think because you have to also be comfortable with how much money you're taking out of your pension and understand whether or not that's sustainable in terms of in relation to how much you're spending so I mean it can be anything from a 
you know, a piece of paper through to an Excel spreadsheet through to an app, um, depending on your own personal view. But I would say it's really worth doing when you're retiring and definitely to think about beforehand, but also to review it on a regular basis, especially if you feel like you might have to kind of rein your spending in because of pressure on your on your own pension. Yeah. And happily, we've also got an episode on budgeting, if you'd like to go back and have a listen to that, an in-depth delve into budgeting. But as you've mentioned there, Sarah, very important. Are there any ways that maybe um, family and friends can help when you're nearing retirement? Well, I was thinking about this. I think the the best suggestion would be that it's a very un-British thing to do, but is to actually talk about talk about retirement, talk about money and retirement specifically. Mm. Again, I think it's one of these things, families are great at having conversations and being supportive in a whole range of areas but it's almost like around finance there are some topics that are almost no-go areas still don't talk about money quite enough I think it's changing but you're right yeah don't talk about money and don't talk about life changes that were going to have a huge impact on on their finances and I think as well it's something even that that couples often don't talk about so you know each person may have their pension, they may have their state pension entitlement and maybe, you know, a couple of different workplace pensions and possibly a personal pension pot. And sometimes that planning is done. It's like, well, this is mine and this is yours. But if you talk about your money collectively, how you take your pension, how you retire, how you stop work could look very different if you think about it in the round. And also, Unless you talk about it, I mean, you might think of retirement as being sitting, you know, taking it easy and basically pottering around the garden. Your partner might be thinking, well, it's a time for kind of endless, endless trips and lots of activity. So Mm. I think on a on a personal level and also on a financial level, it's really important to have that conversation and to have it, you know, in your wider family as well. So, you know, grown up children, if you have them, that kind of thing. Yeah. I must check with my husband if he wants to go on lots of ski holidays when we retire, because that's my plan. Um, So, Sarah, are there any other things that you think people need to think about um, when it comes to retirement? I suppose the most important one is your home. And I think in terms of do you think of your home as being your home for now or your home forever? And if it's your home forever or for the foreseeable future, is there anything that you need to be doing to it now to make it easier for you to live in later later on in life and that can be you know that that's not necessarily about thinking like things like sort of you know stair lifts for example it can <laughs> be just thinking about how accessible it is and how flexible it is if you want to have you know friends and family to come and stay it's thinking about it in the in broader sense and also what I find quite often is that the decision to move might be made in a time of crisis so when the home feels unmanageable Mm. and that isn't often the best way to make that kind of decision I don't know about you but I very rarely make the best decisions when I'm in a when I'm up against it of course I think it's really something to spend a bit of time planning for I mean we are talking in the year of 2020 uh, during Covid life as we've all learned recently can be unpredictable so um, lots of people are going to face hurdles and shocks and that may also come during retirement so how do you think we can deal with unplanned costs when we're retired you're absolutely right that the last have many months have really changed how we think about well they've they've changed everything haven't they Mm. but certainly how we think about finances and i I, i've was sort of always carrying a a little bit of a crusade around savings because savings rates have been pretty low for quite a long time and there's been quite a lot of discussion about the fact that you know there's no point in saving because 
your money is really eroding its value. And that's definitely right in terms of longer term money, then you won't keep up with inflation if you have it in a savings account. But I don't think you should underestimate the importance of having some cash savings. So definitely there's one lesson that the last few months have taught us. It's have some cash savings if you need it for an emergency. When it comes to any other um, unplanned expenses, um, just be aware that your options for borrowing may be reduced if you're older. So, um, for example, you may find it a bit harder to uh, take out an ordinary mortgage. There may be other options available to you, but there could be age limits on a sort of standard type of mortgage or remortgage. And right. I would have that sort of caveat that if you are going to take on sort of debt, such as you know, a loan, for example, or longer term borrowing on a credit card, to just be really careful that you can afford to pay it back. Because I think the last thing you want in your in your sort of retired years is to be worrying about debt and not being able to pay it off. So have some savings, get those in advance, and just understand that you really don't know what's around the corner, as as this year has shown us. Yeah. And just sticking with COVID-19 for a second as well, I've seen reports of people considering possibly delaying their retirement because of it. So what are the sorts of things that people might need to consider when reviewing their pensions? I think the starting point will depend on how long you've got until you're due to retire, as well as what your pension's invested in and what other savings or investments or pension schemes you have. Mm. Um, I mean, this again is where a financial advisor comes in really handy. So if you have one, he or she will be able to advise you on how your pension has been affected by COVID-19 and what, if anything, you need to do. And it may be that you do have to work a bit longer or retire later, or you might have long enough to kind of ride out the stock markets and to wait for them to recover. Mm. But again, if you don't have a financial advisor, there are some resources that can help you. So there's some free guidance services you can talk to, such as PensionWise or the Pensions Advisory Service. Now, as it's guidance and not advice, they won't tell you what you should do, but they will talk you through your options so that you can try and make up your mind yourself. Mm -hmm. And again, I just say don't do anything as a knee-jerk reaction. I think it's very easy to sort of see big change around around us as we have done this year and to panic. But a decision that you make today could have quite long term consequences, you know, potentially for the rest of your retirement. So just try and take a step back if you can. And another question I think is really important when we think about retirement. If we need care, who pays for that when we're retired? It's such a big topic. It's one of those things I think that, you know, when you're facing retirement and maybe you're in your mid 60s and you're feeling hopefully quite healthy, you know, it's not something that many of us want to think about being in a situation where we might need to go into care home or we might need someone to give us round-the-clock care at home. But then sort of later in life, it can be something that many people sort of really worry about. Um, This probably isn't the answer you want, but (laughs) who pays for care is a really complicated system and it depends on whereabouts in the UK you are. It's also a political hot potato, but that's another podcast probably. Um, In very broad terms, it depends on how ill you are, uh, where you live in the UK, whether you own your home, what type of care you're getting, and then how much you have by way of savings and investments. Um, so, there, are, for example, if you're extremely ill, then the NHS will pay for all of your care. But many people who are very ill, especially if they have illnesses like dementia, don't qualify for this state help. Um, you will still possibly get some help towards your nursing costs if you're in a in a nursing home where they have nursing staff. Otherwise. You are allowed to keep a certain amount of savings and investments, but Mm -hmm. money that you have beyond that 
in terms of your income will be taken into account. And it could include your home if, for example, you don't have a husband, wife or partner who lives there or another sort of relative who's over a certain age, such as 60. So, the, as I said, the rules are, are quite, quite complicated. I think lots of people are under the misunderstanding that the state will pay everything if you have less than a certain amount in savings. That's not the case. Most of your income will still be taken and you'll be given left with a certain amount of spending money each week. So it is something that mm. I would, again, urge people to think about before the unthinkable happens. And um, I think we discussed this last time, Andrew, but both my parents had dementia and they both needed care. My dad ended up in a care home and my mum had round-the-clock care at home. And it was something that we never thought as a family would face us. But it's really changed how I think about my own later life. And, you know, I'm certainly not queuing up to get into a care home, but I do want to think about it well in advance so I can actually put some plans into place rather than have anybody else having to scrabble around if a crisis hits and work out what they think I would have wanted. Um, I think we've talked about loads of really good reasons to think about retirement, whatever your age, but why do you think especially younger people should consider what they want in retirement? I think there are a couple of reasons why it's a really good idea for younger people to think about pensions, even though this is probably not the most fashionable statement I've ever made. And, and the first is because you do have longer to actually... Um, invest for the kind of retirement that you'd like. Time is on your side, mm -hmm. which isn't in the same way as you hit your sort of mid-40s, 50s and later. And the second is um, the state pension age rising, which this already started happening for women from 2010 and then uh, for men more recently. But from now on, the state pension age is rising for both men and women and for people in their 20s and 30s. They may not get their state pension until they're 69, 70 or even older. Mm. Now, again, you may be happy to work for that long, but the reality is that the job that you want to do may not be available to you at that age. And there are other people who be thinking, there's no way I want to work until I'm 70. And if you don't have that other pot of money, no matter where it is, then you are going to be relying on the state, not just for the amount of money you have to live on, but crucially when you get to stop working or change the way that you work. Yeah. So I would, I think it's really important um, to think about pensions and, and how you want to spend your time in retirement. If pensions don't appeal because they don't sound very interesting, think about your retirement and, and how you want to live that and then work backwards to how you'll pay for it. What do you think are your top three takeaways from everything we've discussed to do with retirement today? I think the first one is to think about the kind of retirement that you'd like. So really spend some time trying to imagine the things that you'd like to do. And then I guess this is really tricky, but trying to put a price on it. Mm. Also use your retirement and retirement planning to get other things in order as well. So we know from, there's a lot of research that's been done over the years that many people don't have a will in place. And again, if there's anything the last few months have shown us, it's that tragedy can strike when we least expect it mm. and having a will in place means that you can choose who will inherit your property and assets and it also means that you can do things like leave money to charity and say you know if you've got any pets say who should look after them and I mean I've had a will for well probably around 20 years more than that slightly but I mean I knew well before then that I should have one I just kept putting <laughs> it off and it's one of those things that once it was done I felt so much better 
and then recently I updated it because I realised my circumstances had changed. I've had a will for about 20 years, or probably a bit more than that, but I actually realised a few years earlier that I should have one, I just put it off. But as soon as I'd got a will in place, I did feel a lot better. Um, having said that, I updated it recently because it is one of those things that you shouldn't just do once and then never change. So if your circumstances change, have it again. Um, I would also say that just think about um, other changes in your life that retirement might sort of trigger. So in terms of your, your home and areas like that and have a conversation with your family. So make sure that you all know what your plans are and you feel comfortable about them. Yeah, some great tips there. Um, but we always ask one final question to our guest, Sarah. What would you give your 18-year-old self as a piece of advice? But this is your second time on the podcast. So can you remember what advice you gave to your 18-year-old self last time you were on? I, I, I actually do know. And it was, it's, it was a start saving for retirement a little bit earlier. And here you are talking about retirement. Perfect. Well, I've got a different tip this time around. I did actually have start saving earlier as my tip and then I, I've changed it. I would say um, don't think that finance is dull. And that might seem like a really odd tip, bearing in mind the career that I've had for the last however many years and the job I'm doing now. But I wasn't somebody who found finance innately interesting when I was growing up. And certainly at 18, it was all rather baffling and frankly quite boring at times. And it was only actually when I started working on a radio programme that was all around personal finance and I had to learn about it, that I realised, A, how interesting it was, and I think, more importantly, B, how empowering having a little bit of knowledge was and how I could apply that to my life. So I think if I did actually have the chance to sit down and talk to my 18-year-old self, I'd say just get your head around finance, skip those few years to when you suddenly realised it was interesting, because... <laughs> that knowledge probably would have stood me in really good stead um, from when I was 18 onwards. Good little bit of uh, advice there for your 18-year-old self. Sarah Pennells, thank you so much for joining me again on The Penny Drops. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Penny Drops. We hope you learned something new and useful to help you with your finances. We'd love to hear what you think of the series, so please do leave us a review. Or if you have any comments or money questions you'd like us to cover, you can get in touch at thepennydrops at royallondon.com. This podcast series is brought to you by Royal London, the UK's largest mutual life pensions and investment company. Royal London recommends you seek professional independent financial advice before making financial decisions. All views and opinions expressed are those of the guest and not of Royal London. Royal London.